<laughs> Hello, this is Bob. And this is Jordan. And this is Shop Talks in the Backyard. Yeah. And we're hanging out on my back deck. Shooting the shit. <laughs> so you started saying something about being being tired of things and uh, wanting to disconnect and... Being tired of things and wanting to disconnect. Well, it's more like I... You can only look at people have the same painfully illogical response to, you know, current social and political climate and be, like, frustrated or be... Think, you, it do, you can only do it so many times and it's just, it's not particularly purposeful. It doesn't do any good and it just serves to frustrate. So I just said like, yeah, I've, I've been trying to not think about that so much. Yeah. I know what's going on over there. We can have discussion about it at any point. You know, I don't have any problem like talking to people about it if they're curious, you know, about my opinions or whatever. But, um, you know, yeah, no, it, just in my personal time, I... Um, or in my own mind, I feel like I've already, like, sorted out more or less, at least the situations that I'm aware of, how I think and feel about them in and of myself. So, if somebody wants to have discussion about it, well, by all means, I'm going to have the discussion. I might yeah. learn something new. But all I was saying was, like, I have been purposefully limiting the time spent ruminating on certain subjects which you should do which should be that that should be a part of like well, your cognitive processes right. anyway is to like okay i understand that i think about this maybe do i think about this too much like having a bit of a bit of forethought about how you think yeah having a bit of thinking think about how you think think about yeah. what you think about plan you know and plan to think possibly differently if you find that you know, your thought processes or the avenues that you're taking are causing, you know, uh, emotional instabilities, things of that nature. Well, I mean, it goes, and it goes both ways. I mean, it's, it goes, you know, the grain of the wood goes, you know, one way, and if you go the other way, you get a sliver sometimes, but you got to sometimes go the different route to, you know, you, you sand wood, sometimes you sand it both directions to get that grain to really come up good. Mm -hmm. So, and to make it smooth. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, whether you're obsessing about Benghazi still, or Orange Man Bad, or, um, you know, uh, wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, take the time to refocus and think about something else every oh, just, once in a while. Nothing wrong, but like, you don't have to spend like large portions of your day like reinforcing your negative feelings about a subject that you have no new information about. Do you know what I mean? That's what yeah, I'm, that, exactly. that type of thought pro yeah, that's what I'm getting at is like how many times today did you think about something that you have no new information about that is the situation isn't fundamentally different than it was the day before and all you did was think about it and become frustrated or become uh, you know um, emotionally compromised in one way or another. Yeah. That's all. I'm not saying like oh I don't think about this, don't think about that. Just that, like, use a bit of discernment and intelligence about what you choose to allow to occupy your mind. That's all, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's what I was trying to get at with that. No, I appreciate that. I just wanted to, you know, I mean, we've we started out with this idea of hope, and, and we've talked a lot about, you know, pandemic and COVID and... Um, you know, and, and the world at large, and you know, and the anxiety behind it, and uh, I'd like, I definitely want to make sure we, we focus on anxiety and what we can do to help people help grow these things or well, put them that, behind them. I think that that's a big one. The the you know, being consciously aware of, of what you're spending your time thinking about. You know, your mental real estate. How is it occupied? Good night, baby girl. Love you. No, I can't right now. But I can give you a big old hug. Oh, I love you. No, oh, good night. Bye, podcast. <laughs> good night, Izzy. <laughs> good night, Izzy. Izzy. And, uh...
I, you know, as far as anxiety goes, I, that's huge. That's huge. That's huge. It's like, what's occupying your mind? Where are you going? Like, do you know when you start to turn down that street? Chances are good if you have anxiety, it's because you've taken, you know, you took a right here and you took a, a left, you know, here, and, and now you've wound up in this place in your mind where you know the anxiety resides, yet somehow you go to that spot, you know? Yeah. What are you thinking about? What have you been allowing to occupy your mental space? If it's not something that's bringing you, you know, joy. Not even necessarily that, yeah, joy. Sorry, that's not the word I want. But just anymore. something, you know, it doesn't have. To, not everything has to bring you joy. I yeah. mean, that's great if it does, and a lot of very fulfilling things could be classified as bringing you joy. But I think lots of things can be extremely beneficial and fulfilling. Without being exactly joyful. Yeah. Maybe. And, uh, you know. What I mean so, is that something that's it's distracting, you know, maybe something distracting that's edifying. or edifying that, that actually builds you up. Yeah. Something. something that actually creates in you the idea that you don't have to rely on or your expectation for anxious and being anxious and having anxiety actually can be dissipated in Uh huh. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, whether it's reading a book or. You know, watching an old TV show, um, you know, playing solitaire, something that distracts your mind and, and sets you at ease to, for a, in a minute to keep you from digging in and picking at that scab. Sure. And I mean, to, to clarify, I would not encourage people to engage in escapism. I'm stressed right. out, I'm anxious, I'm going to sit down and watch three hours of TV and, and eat a box of Twinkies or whatever. You know, like, or I'm, I'm stressed out, I'm going to sit down and play three hours of solitaire. Like, I'm not, I don't want to encourage escapism. Yeah. You know, what, what we're saying is like, you know, do something for a few minutes to break the mental pattern and allow yourself a bit of space between you and your thoughts so that you can maybe reor reorient the direction of your thought processes. I was listening to a, a YouTube channel on the way over today, and he was talking about how people have purposefully written books for you to read to not just entertain you, but to help edify your life. Yeah, yeah oh yeah, oh yeah. So you have the opportunity actually to expand the capacity of your brain by studying more. I've actually pulled a, an app onto my phone and I've been speaking, learning to speak German again. That's cool. So it's yeah. not going super great yet, but I'm, it's picking up as we go. No, but it's just you know, cool. Just it's just, to, a, you know, so yeah. many things are an option like that, you know? Yeah. You put an app on your phone and learn calculus on your drive to work if that's what you want to do, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, I would like to... I told you know, the guy on the phone the other day that there's YouTube channels out there that will talk to him about how to set up security on his phone and how he can have peace of mind and using his debit card mm -hmm. and how it works so that he could actually not be anxious about how those kind of things work. So that was probably one of the hardest calls I've taken in a couple of weeks was a guy was everything was wrong and everything in the pandemic and he was just afraid of everything and it was hard he was young and it's you know yeah, well i mean a lot of unfortunately a lot of people especially a lot of young people right now just don't know a lot didn't learn a lot learned even less than what i learned in school and what i learned <laughs> in school was a paltry amount i can tell you I, I, I have a feeling if, if video games were as prevalent when I was a kid as they are today, well, they were prevalent when I was a kid, but you had to have, you had to have a stack of quarters to be able to yeah, play. Right. Yeah. So, um, I, I didn't, you know, I played video games, sure, when I had quarters, but, um, and I played video games as an adult, but not as a kid, you know, I probably would feel much more anxious and left behind than I do now. The times in my life, mm -hmm. if I didn't have everything, things to fall back on. Yeah. So. Anyway. No, I think that uh, there is. 
an ever-growing and increasing gap in the knowledge base of, of uh, young adults. And it, seems, it seems to be a, a growing problem, not a shrinking one, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, they're 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 over they're over they're over stimulated with video games and news. No, not news. Not news. Let's not let's not sully the word. Okay. Call it something, but it's not news. I don't know exactly what it is or what you want to call it, but it's definitely not news. Yeah, it goes back to one to end that twenty-four hour news cycle there. Well, I mean, headlines. It's bullshit. It's fucking storytelling. It doesn't have a whole lot to do with, like, objective journalism. Yeah. Like, if you if it was objective journalism, then I would happily call it news, but it's not. It's just fucking dog shit, clickbait, fucking purposefully disingenuous and misleading headlines that people don't even read three, four paragraphs in before they run off and make some meme that's not even true to espouse a particular ideological belief that doesn't hold water. Yeah. But not news. <laughs> thank, yeah, that's, thank you for clarifying that. That's, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, back in the 80s, uh, HBO, when HBO first came on the scene with cable TV, mm-hmm. uh, they had this show, it was called Not Necessarily the News. And it was before Jon Stewart and all those things. And nobody talks about it anymore. But they told onion-type stories all the time. Oh, it's uh, the, like jokes. It was jokes. Like fake was, stories. Yeah, and... fake stories. Well, the best one I ever saw was it was when Reagan was in office, of course. And AT&T had grown too big for itself. And the federal government broke them up. Wow, I wish they'd do that with a few different Whoa, uh, corporations yeah, right. now. Well, they could do with AT&T again. But anyway... <laughs> um, but in, so, this this gentleman uh, who was doing the piece, um, he does those authentic commercials. But anyway, um, he was talking about how AT and T was going to build themselves back up by an air, you know, by an airline and stuff like that. And he said, "We might be broken up now, but AT and T will be a monopoly again, and soon." Yep. That was the end of it, you know. Uh-huh. And it's like, wow, that's. That was really funny. It was a funny, poignant thing to say that AT&T still had every intention of building its base to, to be beyond its the scope of what it should be mm-hmm. and eat up other corporations and other businesses so that other people have to either work for them or starve, you know? Uh-huh. And that's what we have now. You have companies that you work for or you starve, you know? Kind of, in some regard. Yeah. I mean, I, this is the thing, is it's like, I think that a lot of people who are complaining in this, like, oh, well, you, have, you gotta have a living wage, and uh, Walmart doesn't pay a living wage, and blah, 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 and I don't want Walmart to be mandated to pay a living wage, and I'll tell you why. There's a few reasons, but I think that they're pretty straightforward. One... Raising the minimum wage, forcing companies to pay what you want to call, quote-unquote, a living wage, does not ensure that everyone gets paid a living wage. What it does ensure is that if you are not worth $15 an hour or $18 an hour or whatever the minimum wage is, you just won't get fucking hired. So essentially what raising the minimum wage does, or even establishing a minimum wage, when you have a minimum wage, you're essentially saying to a, to a business owner, you have to hire somebody who is worth at least this much money, right? If I, yeah. say, the, if I say the new minimum wage is $15 an hour, and that means that you can't hire Tom for $9 an hour, because he provides $11 an hour in value. Tom doesn't get a job anymore because Tom is not able and does not have the job skills required to provide $17 an hour worth of value to your company. So you don't hire Tom. 
you hire somebody else who can provide $17 an hour in value or $20 an hour in value and you pay them 15. That's what it is to own a business. So when you raise the minimum wage or you talk about quote unquote mandating a living wage, all you're mandating is that the people that you are trying to help are now going to be jobless. Yeah. We'll have it a trickle down theory based on so if I buy widgets to make a wagget, okay, and I need three widgets to make a wagget, okay, but each widget comes from a different company, mm-hmm. okay, and I got to pay $15 an hour, and each one of those people who make widgets, each one of those companies pay $15 an hour to make those widgets, the cost of making those widgets have increased. Sure. So yeah. when I make my wagget, it's now more it's expensive. more expensive to make. Sure. And so I'm gonna have to raise my price to sell my wagon where I might have sold it for. I don't have. I shouldn't have to sell it for more than I really want to. Well, it doesn't matter. Like that part of the discussion is, is is saying that like, did you know that when you toast something, it turns brown and it's toasted? Like yeah, most people don't still don't get that. Like that part of the argument is like saying, if a cat has hair on it, it's a hairy cat. Like no, I, you know you, what I mean. You know, like, I'm the same it, page it's, here. It's yes, not, but that's part of the conver- that's part of the conversation that people don't have, that they take for granted. That what that when you make said. labor more expensive, the things that those ex- more expensive people are making is now more expensive. Yeah, but that they should be fucking th- obvious without yeah, being said. I think. Should, okay, yeah, but having said that, then that should not. kill the conversation fucking right there. Well, I don't think that. All I'm saying is that's not that's not an argument for or against. In my opinion, it's purely just a statement of an obvious fact. No, I know, I, and I and I hate and being because a captain you obvious. can't because you can't say that like simply because you made products more expensive that that's a reason to not that's not a, that's not a good reason to not raise the minimum wage in my opinion. Well, no, that's because they're, good, that you're glu- you're you're greedy then because you're not paying a living wage. You could do it anyway. What do you mean? Well, that's what they've said. That's why that's the argument I've heard no. in all the years no, of this you can't. conversation that's the problem. That's been going on because. If somebody who wants to work doesn't have the necessary job skills and only can provide you with $6 an hour worth of value, you can only afford to pay that person five fifty. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That person can't have a job. The people who are unemployed and the higher you raise the minimum wage, the more people you price out of the job market. You want a minimum wage that's $15 an hour? That means that every single person who does not have $17 an hour worth of job skills is unemployed. Raising the minimum wage to a quote-unquote living wage does not improve anyone's standard of living. It hurts poor people. It prices them out of the job market. And it makes sure that they never advance. The fastest way to increase the lower class and to make sure that poor people stay poor is to have a minimum wage. Yeah. The best way to make it worse is to increase the minimum wage. As you increase the minimum wage, you price out more and more people with with the job skills because it's just a, it's an ever-growing trend. What's the minimum wage now? Now the minimum wage is $25 an hour. That means you have to be able to provide the company $30 an hour of value or they won't fucking hire you. How can they afford to hire you at a loss? They're not going to go. Companies won't last very long hiring employees at a, at a loss. I can't fucking hire somebody for $22 an hour when their job skills only provide the company with $11 an hour in value. Yeah. I lose $9 an hour. Well, fuck it then. That means I'm not hiring that person. I'll hire somebody smarter. I'll hire somebody with more job skills who can provide more value and more benefit to the company. And that's exactly what happens. Yeah. And or the costs of everything else in the community rise. The cost of food comes up, the cost of housing comes up, the cost of everything comes up. Because when you raise the minimum wage, you didn't do fucking anything. You just happened to fucking move a few beans from one pile to another. You didn't solve any problems, you didn't fucking do anything, you didn't change anything. You just made a big stink, wasted a lot of money, and actually made the problem worse, not better. Well, it's like, I, I, and I've, always, I've always wondered how that... Is, is a politician actually really looking out for the, the betterment of citizens? No. no. Or are they actually trying to actually create more revenue for the government because $15 an hour is a very high tax bracket? Well, I don't think it's either. 
I think that the more the more I watch government and the more I pay attention to what I don't even think that they most politicians aren't even particularly ideologically adherent. They won't even stick to their own party line. Most politicians are purely trying to placate their voting base. Yeah. That's it. One person it's like, at a time. What do you want? Wait. I don't understand. You want this and you want that? Oh my gosh, how many people want what? Whoever wants, whoever, whatever number is the most, like I go with them, right? And that's the problem with what's happening right now is that you have a bunch of politicians who think that the internet is real is real life. And so they're assuming that what 2% of the population believes is actually how the whole of the population thinks and feels. And then they're enacting policy to appease those people because they misinterpret what's happening on the internet yeah. to be the the overarching average of opinion among the voting citizens and that's not the case either <laughs> well i think that's i think this the symbolism of what you're talking about is actually evident how the the internet is actually uh, slanted or not slanted it's not a correct number of what actually happens because there's a level of fear and how people might post on Facebook or Instagram. They might actually not actually post what they actually say. No, of course not. So what, when, when Trump not was when running in... they're in fear in, of like losing their job. There was, a, there was a, uh, a story that was after Trump won the presidency that said that people who were being polled for the election weren't telling who they really were going to vote for because they didn't want the poller to question whether they were a racist or not. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, they refused exactly. to answer the question about who they were actually going to vote for, and said, and in some instances, said they were going to vote for Hillary. Uh huh. So that would make sense. When I you mean, when you make people afraid, they're not going to tell you the truth, and you get what you get. Yeah. Well, you, what you get is a really skewed perspective. Yeah. You get a pers you get a you get an idea, and you get a perspective that is not remotely representative of of the average opinion. Yeah. And, and we're doing we're we're going through the same thing. We're probably actually going through the same thing again right now. Absolutely. 100%. And it's probably even worse now. Hundred percent. Because I I've seen polls, but I've also seen like weird anonymous clickbait polls, which are just as interesting to me. One because you know you don't really know what they're doing with them but you know that like they don't give a shit what the information is they're just trying to get you to click on it because for every click that they get they it, it's x amount of revenue uh be, based on advertisers yeah based on advertisers so you see a bunch of polls that say trump is trailing biden by like nine to eleven points on average but then you go online and you find ridiculous anonymous clickbait polls that have 2.76 million responders, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, large fucking, but just anonymous, shitty fucking not real polls, but they're really indicative of a number of people who clicked it just randomly scrolling. And, you see that, are you going to vote for Donald Trump or Joe Biden in the upcoming election? You see, it's like, a lot of them you see are like 60-something percent Donald Trump. And like, I've said it many, many times, and every time I bring him up, at least once every podcast, I will say, I am not a fan of Donald Trump. I am not going to vote for him, nor did I vote for him the first time. I think he's relatively stupid. But. But. <laughs> I don't know that he is any worse of a choice than, uh, you know, Joe Biden, who can't string a sentence together or read a teleprompter. Why are we even having a conversation about whether or not we're going to elect somebody with dementia? I still think the best thing I ever seen him say was, "Look here, Jack." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I was like, "Wow, is it 1970?" Because that's what yeah. everybody is. He a professional wrestler or is it 1970, bro? Look here, Jack. Look here, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! If you could just like. 
maybe it's all the like hairspray and like fucking chemicals from all the little girl's shampoo if that you, he's fucking sniffed that's like you, ruined his brain or something. You should I don't really know. go back and look at his pictures because during the Anita Hill hearing, he literally had less hair then than he does now. And there, there, you know, when Clarence Thomas is being, mm-hmm. you know, grilled the way he did, and Anita Hill comes forward, and Joe Biden was in charge of all that shit show, mm-hmm. and he had a lot less hair then than he does now. Oh yeah, it's the craziest thing. But you know what? Though I got to say, you know, I love Tom Petty. In the eighties, you know, there was those videos he had with his little top hat on. You know, the little short top hat he had. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> He didn't have much hair. No, he didn't. The last time he came through Boise, that motherfucker had a lot of fucking hair. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. New hair, nice, baby. New nice hair. He's like, but that's what money does for you. Can you pull you, those you know? hair follicles out yeah. of my ass hey, and fucking crack a, and put them? <laughs> there's a movie called Return to Me, and uh, this guy, he's on a blind date with somebody, and he's in a bar, and he knows the bartender, and he's like, hey, look, my hair. I, you like my hair? I had the hair plugs put in. He goes, hey, you grab my hair and run for the door. It doesn't come out. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> I think I remember that. That's pretty old it's rom- a, it's, rom-com, wasn't it? Like, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, uh, David Duchovny and uh, Minnie Driver. Uh-huh. Minnie Driver yeah. got his dead wife's I heart transplant. Yeah, I remember that shit. And they ended shit. up dating somehow. I remember that shit was, from, the, from the zoo. Yeah. From the zoo. Yeah, yeah, I actually tried to watch it after Mary died, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> it's a pretty it good movie. It's a yeah. pretty good one. I cried so hard, I saw I actually started hyperventilating, so I had to turn it off. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. Well, you... <laughs> get you a paper bag next time you watch it. <laughs> that's a good mask for you. What are you doing with that paper bag? It's my mask. Yeah. This is for your safety. <laughs> and my humor. No, oh, right. Oh. It's funny because you know I don't go out much because I I work from home so I don't get out much. But we did go up to the woods, uh, up to Stanley and Redfish Lake this last weekend. The real question is, how many people did you see not in close proximity to anyone in the wide open space and bright fucking UV sunshiny light wearing their masks? Inside Stanley and through Ketchum and things like that, people wore masks. Mm. Um, but out on the lake? Not a... I didn't see anybody that I remember with a mask Good. I have seen some weirdness, dude. When we were in Yellowstone, Nicole and I were in Yellowstone. We are going by, like, by the paint pots. We were out on the, like, the, just, like, on the trails, like, walking to artist paint pots. Yeah. The fucking people with masks on, like, outside, bright daylight. And the funniest thing was, it was, like, all of the, like, really like overweight like health problems having trouble like didn't have masks on and all of the like people who looked to be really healthy had masks on it was the most ass backwards thing yeah. I've ever fucking they'd be seen like, do I look like I can wear a mask look yeah. I weigh 400 do pounds do I look like I can wear a mask and breathe and get to the paint pots Ugh. look look at my look at my shoes look at my ankles I hang over the edge of my shoes you think I can do this <laughs> Oh, I'm fat oh, shaming. I'm sorry. That's fun though. It's <laughs> I'm fat shaming, but I'm fat. Yeah. I don't have my sh- my skin doesn't hang over my shoes though. So. Yeah, the tongues of your shoes can still wag. Yes. Yes. But yes. I just yeah, I don't. Uh, it's strangeness. It's real strange. Like people Fuck. driving around in their cars with, with their masks on. on and shit. Is like, there anybody else in the car? What are you doing? You? What the fuck is going on? I'll see people, like, walking around. There won't be anyone within, like, a hundred feet of them. They'll be, like, have their mask on. And yeah. Looking, like, walking down the street Jesus, with their masks on. It's fucking weird. Yeah. And it I, makes no fucking sense. I drove like, mom to the doctor on Tuesday, and there were people walking the streets in Nampa with masks on. That's so bizarre. You know, to catch the bus. And... It's daylight, motherfucker. Like, the virus can't survive. UV radiation kills it. Yeah. Almost instantly. Can't survive. Yeah. Can't survive outside. Well, if Orange Man hadn't said it, probably everybody would be okay. Yeah, well. So. I don't think we need to fucking talk anymore about how you can, like, <laughs> if a stupid person hears something smart and then says it's stupid, 
It doesn't mean that it's true or not. It just means that a stupid person heard a smart thing and then tried to talk about it, which is often what happens with Trump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, Unfortunately always... for the things that he hears and talks about. You know, well, it's it's like sometimes you get somebody, you talk to somebody. I, I actually am guilty of this a lot. I'll tell a story. I'll start telling Autumn something, and she'll be like, what the hell are you talking about? And then I've got to circle back around and tell her the actual beginning of the story so it all falls into place. I think that's exactly what he's doing wrong is he's he starts a conversation halfway through it because mm. in his mm-hmm. mind he's already had the first part of the conversation. Right. So... Uh, he'll start like in the middle of something and he'll tell you like just his interpretation of it. And it's not that it's not that hot, yeah. Compared to like an expert scientific interpretation yeah. of something, any given yeah. thing, he gets in his own way. That's for sure. Well, that bad posture and getting in his way. <laughs> I had bad posture I'm too. So like every time, every time it crosses my mind, I just go, "What the fuck?" When I think about the fact that we're running Donald Trump, like a. Uh, uh, a game show host, like a reality <laughs> TV Icon. host, as an incumbent president against a creepy old dude with dementia who fucking sniffs kids. Like, I'm, it's just, if that's not indicative of the, of the absolute massive problem that we have in this country in the well, political remember, system then then nobody cares and it doesn't matter because like you have like that's it that's the best that's not the best well, there remember. were any literally uh, well almost any of the people up for the democratic nomination would have been better we both I have said numerous times that you know that well, we like, like said, Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard was like yeah. she's fucking and I honestly like she'll probably have she's young she'll probably have a run at it You'll you be know, Crenshaw in 2024. They'll go against I just, each other. It's, That'll it's be a hard just, call because two vets, you know, veterans yeah, are like split. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I th- honestly, Crenshaw is so reasonable, and his foreign policy is significantly more what what most people who are like interventionist, like war hawk. Yeah. Dog sh- Honestly, I fucking hate it because it's based around the idea that so long as we keep a stranglehold on every nation in the country, nothing can go wrong. Well, I that's, think that's basically what like that warhawk foreign yeah. policy boils down to. Is like well, that's is, Wilsonism. It's dog shit. It's Wilsonism. We're gonna go around and make the world safe for democracy, and as long as I make sure I keep a boot on every single neck, nothing can ever go wrong. Well, let's but let's go back. Let's go back. We talked about Wilson, President Wilson, Wilson before, right? Fucking Wilson cut. was the one who came up with the idea of American exceptionalism. Yeah. He's the one who put the 14 points forward after World War One. He's the one who said Which make America or make the stupid. world safe for democracy. Exactly. Yeah, he was exactly. the one that got the U.S. into the, you know, and at the time, what was it, the European Union? Or well, what was it at the time? The the uh, the League of Nations. League of Nations, yeah. They became the United became, Nations. Yeah, it became United Nations. Yes. So, but, but the only president the, that really picked up more, Truman fell into that, okay, into Korea, Eisenhower was a little bit leaning towards Vietnam, but he wasn't doing what Truman did with Vietnam yet. Okay, mm-hmm. plus the French hadn't pulled out yet either. Mm-hmm. So um, Kennedy literally was not going to step that direction. No, Kennedy so between, wouldn't fucking right, hop too, and that's why Eisenhower, he didn't fucking last. Between Eisenhower and Kennedy, we actually had the opportunity because he actually listened to what Eisenhower's warning mm-hmm. about the. Military, the, yeah. comp- the industrial military complex, yeah. and and what Wilsonism actually was building to, Johnson was that industrial military complex captain. Oh yeah, he, he was, was a the general of that. Yeah, because his wife, dog. his wife owned stock in Bell Helicopter, and a lot of the companies that made the combat gear. Oh yeah, yep. So and plus all the beef they ate came off his fucking ranches. <laughs> so. Pays to kill, motherfucker. But hey, but, hey but don't let Trump hold a hotel 
let people sleep in. See what I'm saying? The the the, the mm-hmm. disparity and the well, I mean, the honestly, like his foreign policy is dog shit too. I'm just sick of the idea that like somehow it's going to be better for the world if we make sure that we control everyone and everything. Well, I you know I I've been watching a little bit of the military things he's been doing, and he's pulling, he's pulling he want he's pulling twelve thousand soldiers out of Europe. He's closing European headquarters in Stuttgart, which was actually in Heidelberg when I was there. Heidelberg closed three or four years ago. So USERA, United States Army Europe moved to Stuttgart. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's pulling he's pulling the, the bulk of everybody out of Stuttgart. It's gonna be basically a hospital stayover and a few Air Force bases. Yeah. And with very probably very manned very lightly and will only be a two year tour and no more family tours. Your, fa- your wife and your kids won't get to come to go to school or anything anymore, so they're going to kill all those GS-level jobs. The real jobs. question is, why do we have military installations in Germany? Well, it was up through the Cold War. Exactly, that's, that's my the, point. That's, but he's, that's what he's drawing it down. Because Trump has actually said, sick of foot in the, the NATO bill. NATO's not relevant anymore. We need to pull out of NATO. NATO needs to be disbanded. That's yeah. exactly... I mean, that's not necessarily... He hasn't necessarily said it that way. But he has talked about how we, and I've seen it, it was 30 years ago, yes, but I yeah. saw how the United States paid for everything that NATO wanted. Uh-huh. The United States taxpayers paid for that for for we half of those things. For almost we, a whole century. We're the number, I think exactly. we're the number one contributor to the WHO, yet they couldn't be bothered to fucking pull their heads out of their asses and give us a fucking straight answer about yeah. the fucking SARS-CoV-2 until it was already fucking on our shores. Like... Yeah. We, I think we contributed, like, I, fuck, their budget is so fucking ridiculous, I can't remember, but I did read through their budget from, their budgets, budget reports from the last three years, and America was, the United States was the number one contributor to the WHO. <laughs> yeah. And yet they can't even be bothered to fucking shoot us straight when it fucking well, matters. Well, I mean, and then so. he started talking about getting out of Afghanistan, and look what happened to him there. Everybody started screaming, out, why are you getting out of Afghanistan? So, I mean, and they're, they're complaining about him wanting to get out of Afghanistan, and we all should the, These are all the same people who complained that we were in Afghanistan when, when Bush was in office. And right. And they're all the same people who said, oh, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Um, and then they said it wasn't a big deal when Obama well, was in office. And it's like, make up your fucking mind. Do you want to get our fighting men and women out of the Middle East, or do you want to try to continue to stabilize a nation that's been, or a fucking region that's been warring for the last 2,000 years? Well, then there's the whole thing, then there's the whole thing with the the bounty. They're saying that Putin was offering the Taliban a bounty that KGB, former KGB operatives... We're offering. I don't know why they're so former KGB operatives. I don't get the fuck. Well, it's like this gray monster that comes out of the closet every once in a while. Right. But um, these operatives are offering the Taliban um, bounties to kill Americans. Well, if if you think that those guys need to be motivated with the yeah, money, do you think that like it's a thing? Like like they're not trying to kill Americans anyway? I've, you dumb motherfuckers. The like, first thing Jesus. I did was I reached out to somebody. I know a guy here in Idaho who's actually trying to get Jim Rish to do a little bit more. Uh, our one of our state senators about getting, and he actually has an a organization. Yeah, yeah, a anything? lot more actually. Maybe trying to get him to do yeah. anything. So, yeah, that was probably a bad word, but he's uh, he. I don't remember what the name of his organization is, and if he's listening, he's going to kill me. But he actually wants us to bring our troops home. That's what it is. Bringourtroopshome.org or something like that. And uh, I'll have to reach out to him and ask for permission to put it on the shop talks page. But I asked that when I saw that, the first thing I did is reach out to him and said, "Is this true?" You have any information on this? Because I know he's got he's got contacts at the Pentagon. Yeah. He says there's no information. There's nothing out there that says this is true. This is just a way to get them to try and keep us in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. When it's realistically, that should actually scare you out of Afghanistan. At the same time, though, you don't want to back down when you're being you know bullied. So uh, I'm going to use my laser fingers, bullied. You know, it's but it's you know. We shouldn't be there anymore. He actually has been talking. He, he's talked about that. How he's been talking to the Taliban to try and get to a peaceful resolution to get us out. 
and not leave any presence in Afghanistan yeah. or Pakistan. We don't want to, We don't need it to be in any either country. There are significantly. You know what country we need to be in? Ours. That's the country we need to be in. Well, you know, when we were in, when we were in Iraq, that's it. When we were fighting, still fighting in Iraq, and we were still, we have, of course, we're still in Afghanistan, and then Iran started having rumblings. I'm going to use my laser fingers, rumblings. We were poised to go from have a two front war for both because Afghanistan and Iran border each other, and of mm-hmm. course, anybody who looks who understands geog- geography understands that Iraq and Iran are neighbors, we could have rolled in from both sides. And I think that's exactly what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But something went sideways and it didn't happen. Something didn't happen. We were also, people don't realize this, but we were prepping for war with Russia mm-hmm. during the election year. We were. We had people deployed to East former, I'm going to say former Eastern Bloc countries, mm-hmm. and we're prepping to roll into war with with Russia, having a ground war with Russia. Fuck that! Oh, f- absolutely, the fuck, fuck that. that, dude! Absolutely, fuck f- that! Because the first thing they're going to do is they're going to roll their navy right up off our coastline and bomb our cities. It's exactly the first thing they're going to fucking do. They got ICBMs. They don't have to roll the navy. Up I, yeah, the but that's just it, though. If we're going to do, let's say we just do con- <laughs> conventional warfare. Sure. We're not going to nuke each other because we love our own citizens. And we do love our own planet and realize that it's detrimental. Do we? Then why do we have so many nukes? Why do we fucking build more and more every single year? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, if that's we, the we case, actually why laid do we off for quite way? a bit. ICBMs were gone. Uh, they, were? That's, for a minute. Well, the not Persian, now. The Persian, yeah. The Persian missile was the first thing to go. And I've talked about that before. That was my first duty station. Um, but... Um, yeah, that's a 10-digit grid coordinate that's mobile and can be moved and shot from anywhere. Um, so, but that, but Putin did cause that to go away. So, you know, the problem with, I, there are plenty of issues to be taken with Putin. Yeah. His, you know, his, uh, his... You know, and, I would, and I'm not particularly knowledgeable on his foreign policy stances, but at least as far as I can tell, he's not re- nearly as interventionist as we are. Well, he still has bases in South America. He's still intervening and interfering in government elections and yeah. uh, and things in in uh, in South America. They've been there for 20 years sure. uh, since he's been in power. Um, so they can have a strategic position in this hemisphere as well, not just Cuba. Sure. So, and then you also have the Chinese doing the same fucking thing. The Chinese so, are doing it significantly smarter than we are, though. And the Chinese are doing smarter it than the Russians the, as well. Yeah, the Chinese are leading the charge when it comes to empire building, and I think we talked about that. Yeah. Like the Chinese have figured out that you win more fucking friends. You know, by being nice, like you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar, so to speak. Yeah. And so the way that the Chinese have been empire building is rather than going and decimating a country through warfare and then afterwards spending billions, if not trillions of dollars to help that country rebuild the infrastructure that you blew to hell. And then leaving your military in place there to ensure the power structure, which is what we do. Yeah. Um, the Chinese have gone, well, we don't need to bomb those people. In fact, they're a developing nation. All they need is the money that we would give them after bombing them. So we can save at least $900 billion, you know, or more. Yeah. Not bomb the shit out of this country. To rebuild their not, infrastructure. Not build up any negative animosities. We can just go in there and offer them a loan to help them build up their infrastructure start to offer them some things where, hey, you guys, we're not building you up from a war-torn ground zero. We're actually going to start where you're at, and we don't want to cause any problems. We don't need anything. All we want to do is, you know, help you out financially in return for X, Y, and Z, right? Fucking hats off to China. 
as far as fucking, you know, their approach to empire building. Now, I mean, I, there's significantly better and more insightful ways to do it than what the Chinese are doing, but the Chinese are at the top of the fucking game when it comes to empire building right now. And that's, you know, Europe and the United States are fucking falling behind, like, ever, like, just at a frightening pace. Well, I mean, if you go back to the whole European Union thing and NATO, Germany was actually supposed to be the groundwork of NATO, mm -hmm. the reason why NATO existed. And uh, Angela Merkel has actually gone in and destroyed that idea based on making strategic energy uh, alliances with Russia. Mm -hmm. She's buying oil from Russia instead of going through Saudi Arabia, or which has a huge pipeline coming up through there anyway. Um, so yeah, and if you were fucking doing it right, you can buy cheaper fucking oil from Saudi than you can from fucking uh, from <clears throat> from Russia anyway. Well, if you actually defended your shores and your your national waters off of your coast, instead of allowing the Russians to come in and drill the oil off your coastline and then sell you the oil that's literally in your fucking backyard. <laughs> you don't have to do that either. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you go you above... You just pump your own fucking oil. Right, if you go above the the uh, Finland, Sweden, all those places, there's as much oil there as there is any place else. Oh, sure. So, and we're like, well, it's oil's running out. You know, f they had these oil wells in Oklahoma that they'd capped 50 years, okay? And when the oil boom came back up, they uncapped all those motherfuckers and they were fucking full again. Mm -hmm. So that oil actually replenishes itself. Well, sure, it's not a limited resource. That's no. dumb. I mean, if you think that and something like... it's not like... freaking... It's not fucking... What do they call it? Fossil fuels. There weren't that many fucking dinosaurs. No, but it's... Uh, it, it, how... It, fossil fuels is a misnomer. It's just something that, like, it's a term to mean the breakdown and decay of organic matter under certain pressures and circumstances fuel. But that's kind of long, so they say fossil fuel. But fossils don't have to be dinosaurs. That's the other thing you got to understand. Fossils are plants. Fossils are fish. Fossils are funguses, mushrooms. Fossils are trees. Fossils are grass. Fossils are... Right? Okay. So it's not dinosaurs. The fossil is just the... What's left behind... The residue? Well, a lot of times, the you know... Is, um, it, like, is, it, like the, is it like the bug guts on your windshield? <laughs> no, I mean honestly, I'm I don't sorry, know, I just like, being facetious. No, I don't. I I just know that it's it. You know the um, oil, crude oil, is a byproduct of the decomposition of organic material under a great amount of pressure and like other coal. circumstances. Like I don't coal I'm, turned into diamonds. I'm, and shit I like am that. not. I am. I am not a, a geologist, and I definitely don't specialize in. You know, fossil fuels. But anyway, I, yeah, not just dinosaurs. Any fossils. You know, anything can be a fossil. Fossil is just referring to, like, some sort of organic life preserved in stone. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. I just, I just get this whole, you know, idea of, we're, you know, we go back to, it leads us back to how some people, and actually I've heard less talk of killing the planet versus, you know, just the temperature changes and things like that. And I'm still following this guy, and I'm sorry, I don't remember names as well as I used to. Um, his last name's Moore, Patrick Moore. He, he was one of the founders of Greenpeace, and they kind of blackballed him out of the organization because he talks about how... So he had to tell the truth about fucking climate change? Yeah. And his, his answer is beautiful. His answer is plant trees. You don't have to put up these windmills. You don't have to put up, you know, tear the dams out. Um, you could probably find better technology to have for dams. Oh, you, know? you could definitely find better technology yeah. for dams. Yeah. Um, but he says his answer is to plant more trees. If, you, if you're worried about CO2 emissions, what breathes CO2? Plants. Plants. So let's just plant more trees. And guess what? Then you can actually start you can start timbering wood again because you started planting trees. I, I don't know how you we feel do that about a fair amount now. 
Um, a lot of the wood that we harvest in Idaho, like, because there's a fair amount of logging in Idaho. Where? Where? Or drive up Highway 55 or up Highway 21 or across the I guess the I did see, I did see, you drive I did all the see way north towards signs. Canada, all you're going to see, you'll see logging trucks all up and down the road. I didn't all see over any, fucking. I, it was the weekend, so I did see signs outside of Idaho City going towards Loman that said logging trucks entering the road. But the, the, the rub for me is that right by the road to see the fuel rich environment that lives in our forests what do you mean uh, uh, just the just the you know if there's a forest fire it's our responsibility as human beings we're the stewards of the earth whether you're religious or not that's what we really are mm-hmm. and we need to be going in and cleaning up that dead stuff it's like so camping around redfish lake beautiful mm-hmm. okay and you've got all these campsites that are all have these little diagonal things off of circles and like cul-de-sacs, you know. Sure. And But if you walk through these things from one campsite to another, there is so much dead wood laying on the ground. Oh, yeah, totally. Okay. You know, and then you go down at the very, at the mouth of, the, of each campsite, there's this tall cage standing there. And there's a little park ranger guy living at that site, you know, in and out. And he fills that cage every night with wood that you buy for $7 a bundle. Yeah. Okay? When you could just have every camper that comes out here and cut all the firewood they want to well, cut. That's, that's what I do. Between I the camps. Camping. But are you allowed to do that? I don't care. Oh, well, I, I dig that. But I mean... I don't care. <laughs> but I mean... Are you allowed to... Like, I just think like, bitch, you brought sand to the beach. I told one of my buddies that. We went camping. <laughs> we went camping, right? And he shows up with these two bundles of fucking wood like some kind of goddamn city fuck. And I was like... Bro, what are you bringing fucking sand to the beach for? And he's like, what? And I'm like, motherfucker, we are in the woods. Look, look around you. Like, go uh, out go out in the woods and spin your, put your arms out and spin to see if you don't spin for about 20 minutes and see if you don't run into four or five different trees that could be cut down. Well, I don't only cut down dead standing well, timber. Well, of course. You don't cut um, anything that's alive. Yeah, you just cut dead standing timber, uh, particularly like you know, fucking widow makers and shit like that. I usually won't even cut something dead standing if it's just in good shape and it's like supporting a lot of lichen and fucking yeah. all that. Now, the other thing that's important to note about forest forestry and forest management is that the amount of detritus on the forest floor oh yeah, is significantly important to the health of the forest. Because although it does provide fuel for a possible fire, the other thing that all of those fallen trees and dead stuff, that is what provides the nutrients to the dirt as it decomposes for the things that are alive. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And so if you go, if you were to go around and try to like clean up the forest to make them want like... First of all, if a forest catches fucking fire, it's going to fucking catch fire. Now, whether or not there's a bunch of dead wood on the ground or not, that doesn't fucking matter. It's going to burn from one side to the other unless you stop it. But the problem is this, Jordan. I'm not talking about the stuff that's already down that's going to decompose quickly. I'm talking about the standing trees that were killed with the fires that didn't fall down. Those still are made to... They're still required to stand until they fall on their own to decompose. Those become lichen-laden, and they become... And they're they're bra- heavily branched because yeah. they're spruce, not spruce. Yeah. They're um, uh, lodgepole. Yeah, a lot yeah. of those are lodgepole, which are just matchsticks waiting to catch. Because yeah. when they die, they just bleed sap. Yeah. So they're just yeah, a candle. They're, they're just a fucking, matchstick. Um, they're a kerosene. Lodgepole, lodgepoles are real pitchy. They're yes. real. They got a lot of sap. Right. Um, they they need to clean that shit out. Why? They, well, because I mean, because what you want, yeah, you want good stuff on the ground, but if you have too much on the ground, then what happens is the fire is so intense and hot, it, which a fire can be more intense and hot than you realize, and the first three to four inches of that dirt is no longer going to grow anything, and it takes longer for the forest to come back because it has to come back from deeper. So you have to count on you have to count on the fire, so those pine cones open up. And drop seeds through the fire. That's what that's one thing fire does. It yeah. helps those seeds to, to, to burst open. Yeah. But if the fire is too hot, 
then it may actually destroy it deep. It yeah, it cooks it all and actually makes the ground ungrowable for decades. So you have to clean up a portion of that to make sure that you can have a forest that is recoverable and, and manageable in the, for the future of that forest. Otherwise, you're just going to have... There's this hot spring between Loman and... And uh, there's this place called Sourdough Lodge. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a hot springs up there. And the whole mountain is green, lush green shrubbery and dead burned out trees. Mm -hmm. And I always wonder when did that burn out? Was it the 85 fire or was it something between? Because I bet that was just gorgeous when that had trees on the mountain. And I hadn't, I never got the opportunity to go we'll that trees far. on it again. It will, but it won't be like that, at, you know, for another 70 years. The, um, there's areas, and this is the other thing, too, is that what you're saying is now that may be, or I think probably is, true in some instances. But that's not true for every forest. There's lots of forests where there's enough rainfall and moisture where that's not a significant issue. There's lots of forests. So, like, when you talk about that, like, the, the, the problem with... A significant amount of dead standing timber is a problem of increasing importance the drier the area is yeah so the the wetter the area is the less important that is the more annual well, yeah, the that. more annual precipitation you have right the less important it becomes to remove a lot of dead standing timber because oh. as the in as the as the amount of, of fucking precipitation increases so does the the ability of that particular area to decompose the timber as it falls. Now that tim does those dead standing trees that contain. I mean, they provide all necessary nutrients for lichen and homes for all kind of different birds and yep. squirrels and shit like that. So like. Although I do find it to be a bit, I don't know, I don't want to say unappealing or whatever, um, but I think a human, at general human point of view is, ew, look at that burned up forest. When like, before human beings had the ability to manage forests, or had the idea that they should. Or had the idea that they should. Yeah. The planet and the forests seem to do just fucking fine. I'd agree with that. But and uh, so I'm not saying that, like, I, I don't have any problem with intelligently and consciously using natural resources. But what I, I don't... It, something rubs me the wrong way about claiming a or, or purporting a sort of a one-size-fits-all idea of what is or isn't good to do to a forest. Well, you always have to find that middle ground. You know, you have to find well, that. I think the middle ground, or I think the middle ground is: Do we use trees? Yeah. Are there areas where we've already been cutting and growing trees? Yeah. Should we continue to do it there? Probably. Do we need to go and keep cutting fucking old growth forests? Fuck no. Keep your goddamn fucking saws and oh, stupid I agree with shitty that. I'm not people saying that you need to out of fucking out of fucking old growth forests. Well, I used to joke when I was a kid when but I was like, younger, and I've said this before. Hey, you know, a lot of the world will do the rest of the universe later. You know, because you know, I grew up as a I'm a, I grew up as a loggers kid. You know, sure. My my dad had my dad always seemed to, and of course I was a kid. My perception is my dad always had money because. He was a logger, and there was good money in it mm -hmm. um, in the 1970s. In the 1980s, it dried up. So, I, I mean, I have an opinion of sawmills. I mean, I, I watched the, the final video of the sawmill I grew up around in Elgin, Oregon. I read, I watched, literally watched a video of them, the last log they had go through the planer, and, you know, it spins, and they put the little blade against it, and it cuts the wood down to make plywood out of it. It was a plywood plant. And... Um, that was a sad thing for me because they closed out, you know, a few hundred jobs in a town that needed those jobs, you know. Sure. And and people are like, well, they, you know, they they can learn to code. So, but you know, really, they didn't. If they want to learn to code, they had to code. Learn to code in high school, you know, because 
We started learning to code when I was in high school in 1980. Well, so. it's just a thing. I mean, you know, and I honestly, like, it's a dickish thing to say, but plenty of dickish things to say are good advice. And learn to code is good advice. It doesn't mean you should learn to code because maybe you don't want to learn to code or maybe it's this, that, or the other. What I think is actually being said is if you only had that one job skill, maybe you should learn another. Now's the time. Yeah. And that and that's to say that like if you are not a versatile enough human being to do anything other than the one thing that you know how to do, then you're probably not versatile enough <laughs> to be considered valuable in the mar- job marketplace and you need to add more skills yeah. to your fucking resume. Yeah. That's what that is. And I don't feel badly about it at all. If your job happens to get eliminated through technology or loss of natural resources or just shift in society, well then, that's a bummer. I'm sure it sucks. But fucking put on your big boy pants and do something else. We are a wonderfully adaptable species. My dad ended up up just uh, driving truck and he went back to mechanic in and... And uh, yeah. um, he got, you know, he's retired now. He's 81 years old, and but he's still, there's a Chevrolet dealer out there in Jerome, Idaho. He, hell, he was at dinner. He gets the house for dinner last night, and he had been at Elko, Nevada that day. Yep. And was driving back through Boise and came by the house and had dinner. You know, he my, my stepmom had dinner with us. Cool. So that was nice. So, um there, you 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 can be versatile. I, I, that's my struggle here right now. I've worked in, I've worked in call centers for, well, twenty three years now. Mm-hmm. Not twenty two years. I apologize. Um, and uh, I feel a little stuck. You know, because I was at one point I felt I was really good at it. Now I'm not sure. <laughs> but I don't oh. feel. I, there's so many call centers I could work at, but it's like, oh. I'm just happy where I'm at. With if I'm going to be in a call center, I'll be happy where I'm at. Sure. So, well, I mean, that's not like, but call center work is very like kind of broad level social skill base work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you got to be able to talk to people on the phone. You got to have some interpersonal communication skill. You got to have some customer service skill. You got to have, um, you know, particular bits of technical knowledge around whatever products or services that you're, you know what I mean? It's it's a lot of different stuff. It's not like, I know how to cut down trees, you know, or I know, you know what I mean? Like that's very, that's pretty specific. Like, what are you good at? Well, yeah. I'm a fucking Sawyer. You know? Okay. That's a lot more specific. Yeah. That's a lot, you know, there's a lot of fucking, ter- <laughs> you know, being in a, a call center, that's a lot, you know, you have a lot of different avenues that you could branch off from. Yeah. And you have a lot of other skill sets, too. That's the other thing, I think, that people are caught in this idea that, like, their only marketable job skill is the, is the job that they've been doing. Yeah. Not like... Um, What's a Reagan well, Like, about? excuse me, like you have a shitload of marketable job skills that you've just never used in employment before. Yeah. What about your knowledge? What about your, uh, you know, your knowledge of um, music and uh, the music industry and uh, rock and roll history, etc. Like, those yeah. are marketable. That's marketable job skill. It's knowledge. Well, there's a shit ton of people. You gotta be able to apply that. There's a shit ton of people making money on YouTube talking about that shit too. Well, that's my my well, my point. That's yeah. my point is that people often pigeonhole themselves. Oh yeah. And I more often than not, the people who are like, "Well, I've only ever done this my whole life," they're pigeonholing themselves. They probably at that exact point in time when they're saying that could. Yeah, have the necessary job skills to go work three or four different other well, jobs. What about the they hobbies? Don't that's my point. Well, what else are you good yeah. at? What else what do you, you enjoy? Why don't you go fish? What else do you maybe fucking, you make money yeah. fucking catching big fish? Yeah, maybe you could be a commercial fisherman. You don't like that? Maybe you, uh, you know, maybe you could do a guide. Maybe you're a fishing guide. Maybe yeah. you're a hunting guide. Yeah. Maybe you're not that. Maybe you're a mechanic. Maybe you design fucking so, hiking boots. Maybe you so design fly, logging boots. So maybe tight fish. Maybe you go. Maybe. You know, you go into um, the industry working with for uh, steel for like doing, um, you know, fucking helping with a chainsaw design or fucking, uh, you know, helping them design safety gear, etc. Like the only pigeonholing that's happening really is when someone pigeonholes themselves. 
most people, even people with little to no job skills, have at least three or four jobs that they could do at any given time. Yeah. That's a good point. You you know, the only reason that you think that you can't get another job is because you think you can't. Well, you're afraid. Yeah. You're, you're afraid, you know, scared. I make too much money, I'm going to take a, you know, four to five dollar pay cut, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. That's that's a lot of the dilemma, especially in the call center industry. So, yep. But so, that happens. That but that that's that's fucking life, man. Guess what? Like, you got to be versatile. Yeah. So what? So you take a fucking five dollar pay cut for the next six months while you learn new job skills. Yeah. Or you pound, you pack out and and uh, build up the other skills, the other other hobby skills that make you what you want to be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been. Well, Kicking around YouTube channels for us and for me, and I gotta just sit down and do it. Yeah. So I did record us that last week, uh-huh. and it was really hissy. I need to I need to download it onto the computer mm-hmm. and see what and or maybe broadcast. See if you sync the audio. From sync the, mics. the audio from the mics, or actually just see what it sounds like coming through the TV. Sure. Maybe it's even sound better than it did there, and then we'll get, you know, and we'll actually jump from there. But, uh, yeah. We'll Having this, uh, the, I had that eye procedure last week. I was going to do a bunch of research and try and figure out how to make that sound box work. But <laughs> With that, one eye open? Yeah. Well, actually, you know, I, when I did the eye procedure in 2017, uh-huh. I had 5 milligrams of Percocet, or 10 milligram pills of Percocet. Yeah. And I cut them in half, and I took them for two, two and a half days, three days tops. Mm-hmm. When I started having funky dreams, I stopped taking them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took full the full pain med pill, which they gave me 325 milligram of hydrocodone with um, acetaminophen in it, which is Percocet. Um, no, acetaminophen is like Tylenol. Yeah, yeah, but that's what it said. The hydrocodone on it. is uh, like an opioid. It was. I'm sorry. It was oxycotton. I apologize. Oxycotton. Because I googled it. I googled it and said, "What is Percocet?" And it said. It's oxycotton and a certain amount of acetaminophen is a replacement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For it's like a five three twenty five right. or a ten yeah. three twenty five. So it was a three twenty five. Yeah. I was actually taking the full Percocet for three days. That that full three hundred twenty five milligrams. That's how much mm-hmm. different it was this time in pain. Okay. So it it, it hindered so it was me. More and, painful. Yeah, sure. it was this eye was a lot more painful. Huh. So than the last one was, um, and I still have an appointment on Monday to a, a second follow up, which I didn't do. Um, on the last time, so it didn't heal all the way. Anyway, um, still healing, but uh, I hate the idea of getting tattoo work too quickly after taking all that pain medication sure. because it. <laughs> it oh, fucking not, yeah, knocks knocks down your uh, your yeah. tolerance. Well, it's like I stopped taking the pain meds, and I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much I ached, and you know, my knee hurts, yeah, my back hurts. Yeah, it's yeah, like now yeah, yeah. oh, that pain tolerance is gone. Now. You gotta wait for that. You gotta wait for yeah. your natural pain tolerance to build back up. Yeah, I gotta wait for my piggy bank to build back up. Yeah, right. <laughs> that too, after that eye surgery, probably. Yeah, exactly. Especially after that. Anyway. Well, hopefully we didn't bore you too bad tonight. Yeah, our, our, our ass end was a bit funky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. But, uh, we appreciate you listening. Hope you are, and hope you enjoy. Share it with a friend. Yeah, if you got any questions or comments, you feel free to message us. And, Websites uh, on the on the Facebook page, and we're on Instagram. Uh, I do have a Twitter page for it as well. Um, so please like and share. Send us your ideas. Send us your comments and your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you again. We'll talk to you again soon. Adios. Bye bye. <laughs>